This is all great. Hosted by Animation Tanya. Today on the podcast, we have an exciting chat with Piyush Sharma. He did his MBA from IIT Ghazibagh, post which he went on to work in Cadence Design Systems, and is currently the director of sales at an innovative supply chain and logistics startup, Locus. He talks about the significance of life experiences and networking, while stressing on the importance of having the right processes and the required hustle in a profile like sales in any organization. Hi Piyush, welcome to the podcast. Really looking forward to this conversation. This is the first time that we've had somebody uh, from sales, so I'm really looking forward to the conversation. Thanks for having me here. I'm glad to be talking to you guys. Thank you for taking out the time, Piyush, from Bangalore. Absolutely. I mean, it's a good Sunday uh, to be talking to you. Yeah. We can hear the birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I hope it's not too distracting for the viewers, but yeah. <laughs> No, that's all right. Um, so uh, we would like to start from the very beginning uh, of your career. You did your MBA from IMT Ghaziabad. Uh, right. So what prompted you to go for an MBA, and how is the how has the course helped you in your career? Okay, so uh, going a step back, so I did my engineering in electronics from IP University in Delhi, which is a renowned university in Delhi, but definitely not tier one. and i knew pretty early on that most of us are going to be doing programming for an it services firm regardless of the branch that we were in uh nothing against programming i really like the logical aspect of programming and the power that it gives to the users and the people but i wasn't big on a desk job ever you know sitting behind a desk looking at the screen the entire day which is quite ironic now in the lockdown uh, this is what we've been doing for months now uh but so i had starting started preparing for an mba right at the end of my second year uh now come placement season uh, as it always happens i got placed in one of these large it services providers against again nothing against them uh but the fact was that the topper from my batch and the guy who had four backs they were also in the same profile same salary bracket same company so uh there's nothing that you know you can't stand out from the crowd you are part of the crowd and both of them ended up joining uh, i didn't it was a tough decision because all of my friends were going and it would have been a comfort zone but i was certain to get that kick start in my career higher studies was the better option that was the reason i eventually went for an mba now in terms of how it has helped me uh, it is almost to the point of a cliche now that and i can't stress on this more uh the real value of an mba lies in networking and the life experiences it gives you you know being around people who think differently than you uh, uh who come from different backgrounds different uh, job profiles those late nighters discussions on group assignments those intergroup dynamics almost like a mini big boss in a campus so in that way it has helped me tons in terms of the life experience and also it has helped me get the opportunities you know the foot in the door after you get a foot in the door it's all you of course but that foot in the door is extremely valuable and that is where an mba is extremely key even now even now you see these uh, colleges going for an online mba now it is a big thing in startup now because mba will always be critical it will always get you the opportunities and people value the life experience in the networking you do while you while you're doing an an mba right 
Um, and you know, one of the things that I really want to ask you is that you, like you said, you went for your MBA fresh out of your college. Uh, so now when you look back at that experience, do you identify any major gaps in pursuing a management degree without prior work experience? Um, what I would say is you should never do an MBA for the sake of it, uh, which is pretty much how it's been happening in India. The society has guided that decision for a long time, you know, after BTEC, higher studies, MTEC, MBA, if you don't want to work. So society should not be guiding that decision in hindsight. Uh, let me put it this way. Your M will be much more valuable to you and for the society. If you know what corporate life already is and what it entails. If you're a fresher, it will be a longer learning curve for you. That's one of the differences. But that being said, once you have the degree, then it's the work that you do that speaks for you. I have interviewed people who are from one of the top uh, MBA colleges in India, some of the top MBA colleges in India. And believe me, no one is going to ask you, what did you study in your supply chain course in your MBA? Or what, what did you learn from that assignment? People are going to value the life experience and that gets you the foot in the door that I was speaking to you about. So if you have experience going into an MBA, it is the most ideal thing and everyone should target for that. If not, then make sure that you know that you'll have to work double hard to ensure that people will value uh, what you do after an MBA or what you speak during your interview. Uh, everyone should know they have to put double efforts if they are a fresher, they have to do more networking, they have to understand very quickly how these group discussions, how these assignments will impact their life after an MBA. What is the real meaning of, you know, creating so many different groups for assignments? Uh, why is that intergroup dynamics important? What is the importance of networking? A guy who has gone through a corporate life already knows that intuitively. A fresher has to work double hard. And anyone who's in fresher going into an MBA right now, you have to be aware of that. Otherwise, it, it will be an even longer learning curve for you. That is what we are experiencing as well uh, while we do our MBA because we have some experience. So it becomes a little easier to grasp concepts and apply to it as to what we used to practice before coming here. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and so, working in a group. Yes, that's that's critical. Just that wanted, critical. Working in a group adds a lot of value. So it's not about, um, and I'm pretty sure you guys might be doing this right now, pretty much what we did. When you get an assignment, you must be dividing work. Okay, slide one, two, three, this guy will do. Slide three to five, this guy will do. Uh, you guys have to pick people from different backgrounds, get into a room. Together, what everyone thinks about it. Discuss the strengths that each of you bring to the table. And that's when you divide work. <laughs> and not key, okay, A part will be done by this guy, B part will be done by this guy. Uh, because... Uh, you know, even intuitively, you can figure out that's where the value is. And even after an MBA, that's what people will value and not that you did XYZ part of an assignment. I wanted to discuss uh, your life. The moment you came out of your MBA, you joined Cadence in TechSafe, right? So you joined your MBA as well when you were a fresher and you must have done a lot of prospecting yeah. as to what job profile you want and where do you want to go. So was tech sales or sales always in your list? Um, I was very clear about one thing. I wanted to interact with people. And that's why marketing and sales caught my eye initially. Uh, eventually, I learned that the nuances of B2B sales 
B2B tech sales are more aligned to my style. They suit my style more, more than B2C. You know, B2B is more uh, relationship driven, strategic, value based, and B2C is more about personal gratification. And branding plays a huge role in B2C. You know, these e-commerce sales and things like that. So I realized that B2B tech sales has a has a bigger nuance, which is more aligned to my skill sets. So that's when I made that decision, and it has only gotten strongly validated since. Actually, uh, you have to figure out during an MBA, before an MBA, after an MBA, what is it that you want to do, and then take risks towards that, and then eventually those risks will have higher rewards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in hindsight, nothing is a bad decision. Uh, everything is a learning. So yeah. Uh, since Cadence was your first job, and your first profile was sales. and it is extremely mm-hmm. rigorous to be there right uh, you have to right. face rejections you have to follow discipline so were there any challenges which you faced as like somebody who has never been exposed to that world suddenly exposed to so much um you know towards that huge credits to my manager in cadence who was the sales director of india mr jay shankar uh, he saw it in me and he wanted to groom me and he decided to take a punt on me So, by the way, Cadence uh, for everyone is uh, more than a one and a half billion dollar revenue, not valuation revenue company. It is more than a twenty-year-old company, and it has very strong and solid sales fundamentals. And it is one of those companies that is touching our lives right now, but we might not have ever heard of it. It is very niche. Uh, it's in the electronic design automation industry, and it software products to automate the VLSI and chip design flow. So your Qualcomm Snapdragon processors, your Mac, your washing machines, TVs—they have integrated circuits with billions of transistors, and they need a software product to automate that design process. That is what Cadence built. So it is essentially touching your life. But uh, as I said, very niche, but strong product companies, solid sales fundamentals, and being in Cadence with one of the strongest tech sales teams in the industry was a blessing. and uh, to attend sales calls with these experienced sales guys uh, watching them interact with customers how were they handling objections how were they doing negotiations right at the beginning of my career sort of set me up and that was a huge take away uh, talking about challenges even in sales even if you are a fresher you have to learn and adapt fast or the opportunity has passed so since i was a fresher early into my career in my first year i wasn't getting the bigger portfolio accounts to handle mm-hmm. the larger sums you know the bigger stakeholders uh, because i was quite literally the youngest everyone else was 7 to 10 years experienced in the team uh now at now at that point of time i didn't know what to do exactly maybe it was the lack of you know work experience before or what but i figured i had to take certain risks so i took up cadence university program which is selling the vlsi software suit to universities in the electronics field and and everyone in electronics and communication has used cadence's products you know or cad or pcb design software so that was a huge market i took up that risk uh, during my first year and post that when people see the hunger and aggressiveness in you and that you were willing to do bigger things uh, and you're aligned with the goals of the company that's when things start working out for you and that's exactly what happened i ended up developing great customer relationships over the 3 years uh, was part of a company with a great culture cadence is known to have a great culture it features in great places to work list consistently 
and that just set me up career wise and uh, i was more sure of what i wanted to do my career post that right and um, and like you said i mean after a great stint at cadence for about 3 3 plus years uh, you took a bold decision of shifting to a then small and relatively unknown company a startup locus uh, so what were you looking for when you decided to make this jump okay so uh, i was sure about a couple of things i i wanted to make a sale and see it impact the top line of the company uh that was something that i was yearning for because uh i was still not getting those million dollar accounts and for a company like cadence even those hardly impact the top line uh the bigger region was us not india but i wanted to make a sale and see its impact on the top line uh i was around people who were working in startups um i wanted to work in a culture of hustle and with you know like minded people of the same age same mindset uh the comfortable can come later in your career you know at 28 or rather 25 to 40 is the period of peak productivity in your career that is the period in which you should do everything you can in terms of hustling and then you can take up the comfortable jobs uh so when i was sharing these feelings with a friend uh, in one of her house parties uh that's when he mentioned that he has a friend who has this upcoming startup called locus who's going to raise series a and uh, he connected me with him because it you know had all the check boxes and i took up that opportunity and uh, yeah it's been more than a four more than four years now i was the first sales guy there after our chief business officer who was also one of the seed investors i've seen the company grow from 10 to now more than 200 from a revenue of 50k to more than 5 million now so it's been a great journey in that way and uh, yeah only going stronger now more than four years but still i'm sure and you spoke about culture a bit and you know we in the mba are reading about the company culture quite a lot it comes up a time and time again during our readings so uh, and i'm sure that the culture uh, of cadence was far different from the culture at locus so how did you cope with that uh, with that change did you face any challenges uh, how was that journey like so it was definitely a culture change um, moving from a tech park in a great locality to a 5 bhk house working sitting on sofas dining tables but in all honesty it was only a culture change it was not a culture shock um because it was like being back at the campus uh we often say that uh, we are not a family we are a sports team so all of us bring our a game to the table and the thing about working in a startup is the feeling of accountability and ownership you own something so about the point of being back in campus you know again those late nighters uh, working together and uh, people are working in their uh, you know casual clothes and that entire thing of rigid structures and policies has gone away uh, working towards mini projects scaling up the projects and startup first in india then internationally it just felt right the culture felt right to be very honest and kudos to the ceo nishit uh, and the cto geet they did a they did lots of hard work to hire the right people right talent uh, to ensure that the culture doesn't get diluted even when we are scaling up and i think uh, the biggest change was the sudden flexibility that i had i was not part of a rigid structure or process right now i sort of owned the process along with my team and we created processes and uh, yeah that's that was the biggest change 
so all in all it was a culture change but it felt right it felt more right uh, it was never a culture shock another great example of a similar culture is netflix what we have studied uh, where they say that we are a sports team we are not a family so a uh, great workplace is great uh, great uh, colleagues uh so yeah. uh, another thing uh, which i wanted to ask you like you said you grew exp- locus grew exponentially and when a company grow, grows exponentially the demand on sales people increases right the demand the what is needed mm-hmm. okay. so did you face any challenges because i'm sure you you would have uh, in imt gaze work you would have imagined a linear progression of your career right but this was an explosion right. suddenly so what did you do over there uh lots of things changed so um i remember on my second day we used to have a team sprint in which everyone gets together shares their updates and uh, at that point of time of course we were in a house setup and all of us sat around the dining table all 10 12 of us including the data science team the engineering front end back end guys the sales team the customer success team and all of us were sharing our updates uh it the culture was uh that straight i mean with a smaller team it was that straightforward sharing updates then so when we scaled up with more customers we of course needed more team members and lots of things changed and the first thing to change was of course the of course the internal changes uh, there were structures and processes that were brought into place uh, forget everyone having a sprint together like front end engineering is a different sprint customer success is a different sprint sales is a different discussion and then for trying to find a common platform in which everyone can see everyone's updates so lots of internal changes in terms of structures and processes happened uh, with respect to hiring the right talent that was one of the major uh, issues and major things to keep in mind because it is very important that when you scale up the culture doesn't get diluted so we had to spend that ex- extra time that if we are going from 10 to 50 to 100 to 200 we are still hiring the right talent so that the culture is intact and they are aligned with the culture they are they are aligned with the company's goals they are still bringing their a game they are still you know for innovation uh and the third key thing that usually changes is the product itself so there were of course product challenges which scale automatically brings up uh things like can we handle a larger scale we want to sell to enterprises are do we have the right security clearances in place are we gdpr compliant do we have iso certification um uh, a b c clients wants this feature request xyz wants b feature request can we how do we prioritize how do we deploy it so that it impacts most clients so with scale comes different asks different types of feature requests and the product has to pick a path that it has to take in terms of its product vision and align everyone accordingly so the third challenge that came up with the uh, scale was the product challenges uh from a sales point of view uh you now have to work with different teams previously also you were working with different teams but like like uh the head of data science used to sit two seats away from me so i could just tap him and ask him ki hey this is the problem statement what do you think how can we model this uh with structures and scale and scale and structures are not a bad thing uh structures and processes are highly uh important uh but that uh, level of uh, interaction goes away and that is perfectly fine that is very organic and natural as well that you know we brought up companies and pro- sorry softwares and processes like jira in which we have to raise a formal request 
and someone from engineering will look at it prioritize it uh, bring it bring it up in their sprint and then see when it can be deployed so while i could just reach out to my cto or head of data science uh, take them to a room and discuss what are the problem statements that part will automatically change with scale and uh, yeah that that's what processes are meant to be to make everything smoother otherwise you know 20 sales guys reaching out to them the entire day when will they do their work so that is one thing that changes and can you give us a contrast of what the processes at locus are right now and what the processes were in cadence okay so the thing about processes is that uh, people often assume that startups create and break their own rules and there is a lack of processes but processes are extremely important and we created the right set of processes also often times people confuse processes and policies Mm-hmm. processes are needed policies are not like you have to wear a certain thing you have to be a certain way those are policies those are not important processes are intended to make your life smoother and better and help you do your work more easily policies are supposed to restrict you so in a startup especially processes are key policies are not and that part was absolutely great about uh, locus now as the client base increased uh, our processes had to change and become more robust what was a company wide process had to be split into an engineering process a sales process customer success process uh, we were working with different teams as i told you who themselves had different processes and structures so in that way we we are slowly evolving to where how an mnc functions but as a company culture we will never have these policies which restrict people from doing certain things yeah uh right and you know going back to one of the things that you said the reason why you uh, decided to go to locus is that you wanted to see the the contribution that you make towards the company you wanted to see tangibly in front of you and i think that's one of the things which is great about sales right because you uh, and that makes it very attractive as well that you're able to see tangible results in front of your eyes uh and another thing that makes uh, i think sales a very attractive avenue for young graduates is the incentives that come along with it uh but personally i've always been in two minds about the whole concept because uh on the one hand these incentives can drive people to kind of put in more effort to work harder and to do better but on the other hand it can also create a very strong competitive environment around you where it ends up becoming all about the incentives beating the growth the purpose of growth which was meant to be mm-hmm. so i just want to understand your thoughts about that um in both of my companies incentives have always been a driving positive driving force uh, i think what it comes down to is you have to align the sales person and the incentive plan to the vision of the company you are chasing a target for incentives right everyone is chasing chasing a target for incentives but why are we incentivizing why is it important that you meet your target how is the company growing with your contribution why why should you be invested in other people also meeting their targets all of these have to be handled uh, a good incentive plan is that's my core belief and my experience as well a good incentive plan will also result in better teamwork blindly chasing targets for incentives and not having a vision on what it is actually contributing to should not be encouraged it happens in certain companies should not be encouraged 
someone trying to bring others down to achieve his target that's a strict no no now uh, the second point about it bringing about competition competition healthy competition is always good uh, as i said no one should be trying to bring each other down they should all be hoping that everyone is successful so that the company grows the more the company grows my money grows because my incentives grow uh, if i have a share of the pie maybe in terms of esops i would want everyone in the sales team to overachieve on their targets because now my vision of sales targets is aligned with the company's target my company has to do let's say 10 million arr in 2021 my target is let's say 1 million now i know i know why my target is 1 million why am i being incentivized to do that because if my company meets 10 million it maybe raises the next round of funding my incentives get higher my share of the pie in terms of esops gets higher uh what i realized from your statement tanya is it comes back to the culture you have built and the people that you have hired if you have built the wrong culture if you have hired the wrong people and i can take some names in terms of companies but you must be seeing on linkedin it's there so if you have built the wrong sales culture and you are incentivizing people and people are just chasing targets blindly all of those issues that you were trying to point towards will come definitely hire the right people align them with the company's vision and uh, yeah bring align them to the company's culture as well so uh, tech sales and sales can be uh, it is usually solving problems right you're just solving problems mm-hmm. which are there with with your client and it can be to right. a point where you use plethora of solutions you become a consultant of sorts that you have this problem mm-hmm. i have this solution right so uh, i what actionable advice will you give to people who are aiming to go into sales and specifically tech sales right so uh, the world has progressed a lot in terms of solution selling that you know you have this problem i have this solution um, in fact after solution selling came the concept of challenger sale but maybe we should do a, a different session on how to sell in tech sales but just to give a brief uh, thing on how it has changed the the person that you are selling to values you more when you challenge his perceptions of how he is running his business and that is what is called as the challenger sales model it is uh, it is sort of the next thing to solution selling it is no longer because you know there are thousands of solutions in the market as you rightly said there are thousands of use cases and a person who is in the position of acquiring or procuring a vendor he will have hundreds of solutions companies pitching to him the same thing that you have this problem we have this solution that can add value that thing has passed because simply because the market is that huge now now what that person will really value and how you will stand out amongst the crowd of 100 is when you him when you tell him that hey this is how you're running your business firstly these are the industry practices that i've seen i feel that abc are very relevant for you uh you should be looking at that because the industry leaders are looking at that so you are challenging him and then you are telling him that my solutions can help you achieve some of these in this way maybe do a proof of concept maybe do a pilot of course prove the value to him that is very important uh but you will stand out to him now if tech sales interests any one of you who's listening or both of you then firstly a great choice it is a very rewarding career uh selling technology that adds value to your customers lives and customers business is itself very rewarding and uh, what i would advise for you if you want to get into this field is uh, you know you should be in the you should actively be in the know how of 
what innovations are happening in which industry, what is happening in FMCG, what is happening in retail. Uh, the great thing about Locus is that it works across industries. It, uh, we are selling to FMCG logistics as well, retail as well, e-commerce as well, services like Urban Club type of companies as well. And uh, I essentially did a mini MBA after I left my MBA. Uh, when I joined Locus, I had read about supply chains, but when I went to this company, I went to Coca-Cola's bottling plant in Wadi. I saw the entire process, how it's happening. And then it wasn't a case study for me anymore. I saw it in action. So tech sales selling to a certain industry, you get to learn about that industry really deep. And uh, you get to learn about how technology is impacting that industry, which if that industry is traditional is not aware right now. They have been doing things the traditional way. You're bringing some disruption. Uh, you'll of course have to prove that it's a disruption, positive disruption. And that just gives you a great uh, platform to talk to the customer and learn from him and go to his warehouse, go to his operations, learn from how things are happening and then prepare a solution for him. And then he will also give you uh, lots of value. So definitely what innovations are happening in what industry? Who's raising funding? Because uh, there are plenty of solutions. How will you ever figure out uh, which are the ones that stand out? So, so keep looking at who raised seed funding, who raised Series A, who's going towards Series B. If someone has raised Series A, then they've essentially found a product market fit. If someone is looking at raising Series B, then they are actively selling. They have already established a product market fit. They have plenty of customers and they are going all out in terms of ex expansion. So keep looking at those companies that are raising funding. Uh, essentially, the technology innovation is largely brought about by startups now, not that much by enterprises. And that's why I went to the point of funding. What is their USP? What are they selling? What is their product? So be in the know-how of all of these things and you will figure out that, wow, I mean, this startup is doing great. And uh, I'm doing a lot of, I'm, I'm of course talking a lot about startups because that is one of my bigger advice through this platform. Uh, start with an innovative startup with a great business model, of course. Of course, do your own checks. Who are their investors? What is their founder's background? If you are not founding the company yourself, that is even greater. Uh, people often say, and I believe that I attest to that, that an year in a startup is equal to three years in an enterprise. And if you have founded that startup, an year in, an, uh, in a startup is actually equal to more than five years in an enterprise because it teaches you so many things very quickly. It teaches you to be more accountable. And it's an opportunity that everyone should target and yeah, actively people should be going for that. Right. And, you know, one of the obvious things from the way that you're talking is your passion for the field is just very infectious and all of us, I think, can hear it from the way you're talking. Um, so thank you for that great advice. I think I completely agree with you that it is really important to kind of hustle in the first few years of your career mm -hmm. uh, because that helps you grow a lot, that helps you learn a lot. Um, now we've come to the heart of the piece where I'm going to ask you about the hardest decision that you've ever had to make and what did you learn from it? Um, actually two hard decisions and we touched upon both of them. Uh, one was not follow, following my friends into a job that I was not ready for, honestly. Uh, but that would have been a comfort zone. That was, I remember at that point of time, it was a huge internal debate. Um, parents would have bagged whatever I would have chosen because both of prospects were good, but it was a huge internal debate where my comfort zone was going away. And I was essentially changing my entire network of people and uh, going to another place. 
and no one really was going with me and that huge backing of friends was going away everyone was joining that company that was a tough decision and uh, then joining an early stage startup uh, from a comfortable role in an mnc uh, was at that point really tough uh, what made it easy was talking to people about the startup talking to the investors in the interview uh, talking to the founders learning from them what is their vision uh, but in both cases i've learned that you've got to make things happen as i said in hindsight there are no bad decisions there are only learnings uh, but that is something you learn in hindsight at that point of time it seems like a risk to you and if you do take that risk definitely the rewards will be higher so i would encourage everyone to take those risks if they feel that this is what they want to do but it is risky take that risk and when should you take that risk when you are early in your career you you don't want to wait to be 40 and then taking large risks so change things around get out of your comfort zone hustle uh, take risks when you are early in your career and no matter how the experience ends up i am very sure you would have gained a lot in your career so these two hard decisions taught me a lot and definitely lots to learn from that so it has been great talking to you piyush uh, we got to know a lot about uh, a fresher basically joining an mba college and getting out of an mba college joining a mnc and then joining a startup which completely blew up we got to know a lot about uh, what uh, in mba matters your experience and networking and at the same time uh, how policies are different from processes and how how we hate policies but not processes processes are very critical to the whole thing and at the same time how a good culture can foster your sales force and a bad culture can completely reverse the growth of the company with that being said mm-hmm. uh this is the last question of the podcast uh we you have two minutes the stage is yours if you can tell us something interesting which you have been doing professionally or personally in this lockdown okay um so i had already gotten a dog um he's a 2 year old beagle now and uh, yeah mostly <laughs> the life around lockdown has been centered around him giving him attention and uh, but you know let let me link it back to some of the previous statements that i made so it again links so the decision to take a dog is a big decision and uh, you know you can't really take a dog if you are working and your wife is working and who will take care of him and that's where locus does not have policies to restrict you from doing things in your personal life they actually created a separate space a pen for dogs and it became a pet friendly office and we already have a rottweiler and of course my beagle there and other people can bring their dogs and in between work if you want to uh, take a break just go up play with the dogs feed them uh, so i never had to worry about taking a dog and that's the kind of confidence and uh, you know a strong positive culture brings in you and as i said now his separation anxiety has gone through the roof because i have been available for him throughout the time and i think he also wants to go to the office very soon uh but yeah the, the entire lockdown has been about zoom meetings and my puppy and of course my wife i have to include her yeah <laughs> Thank you.